We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A touch more. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England standing QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it. It's Candlestick Chronicles. He's Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee, I should say. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers for NinersWire.com of the USA Today Sports Media Group. And Chris, I have never been more excited to do a podcast than I am right now. This is a really, really good one. Uh, I'm so happy with with this idea that we lifted from other people on the internet (laughs) we're just applying it to the 49ers. Like, I'm not taking, I I don't, we're not taking credit for this idea because there's this thing on the internet where if someone does something another outlet did, like they they get yelled at for doing that thing another place did. So we're fully aware that other places have rewatched old games or old movies or old TV shows and then broken them down in hindsight. That's what we're doing with the 49ers. Yeah, and, and you, you came up with a solid name for it. I think they, Old Rush is a fun name. You. Yeah. Um, it's a pun, which you're, you're pretty good at. It's original. And, uh, and I like the effort on your, thanks. 
Thanks, man. It took me four seconds, and I came up with it like mid-podcast one time, so it's good. <laughs> Glad to know my hard work's paying off. So this yeah. is the old Rush. Welcome, everybody. It's a subset of Candlestick Chronicles. Um, and, and and what we're doing is we're starting uh, with, with week one of the 2011 season, the start of the Harbaugh era, and we're going to go through and rewatch some old Niner games, regular season, postseason. I think we decided we were going to skip the Tom Sula era. Yeah, I'll have are to go back and game? do a deep deep dive and figure out if there are any games worth pulling from the 2015 season. But yeah. off the top of my head, I'm leaning no. And we could probably skip 2016 too, unless unless we want to do the uh, the opening night win. Was it Whatever against the Rams? Rams? Yeah, we got our buddy goes, Nick Wagner. Goes here. spin cycle. <laughs> yeah, we could get Nick oh, Wagner oh, back on the pod. Ohio State's Carlos Hyde. You're welcome. I got that in there for you. <laughs> Uh, so so what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of go through this game. Uh, you and I both just rewatched it, took a bunch of notes, uh, me more than you, but that's fine. Um, and we're just going to kind of go through, we'll set the scene for you. We'll go drive by drive, talk about things that stood out, take a look at the box score uh, with some things that stood out there. Uh, we got the full broadcast from NFL Game Pass, which if you want to rewatch this game, uh, before listening to this, Game Pass, I believe, right now is free. Uh, the NFL is offering it for free, so go in, uh, snag that, and you can go back and watch games from as far back as 2010, I believe. So uh, if you want to pause the podcast, go rewatch a game, and then jump back in, uh, feel free. But we got the game breaks, the, like, Fox game breaks. So good. And I want to talk about some of those because there were some golden ones in, in 20. Like, 2011 was so long ago, man. It so it, that was one of my key takeaways. Yeah. It, it was like it, it was like watching a completely different sport. Like it's so weird. Dude. The the offense Jim Harbaugh ran couldn't be any more different from Kyle Shanahan's. Like the only thing they have in common is the fact that they use fullbacks and they do like to run the ball, but other than that there is not there there are zero things that Jim Harbaugh's system and Kyle Shanahan's system have in common, particularly from this game. It was um, for 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 several reasons, and we'll discuss why here in a minute. Uh, for several reasons, it was a chore to watch that offense. <laughs> it was it was tough. It was a tough uh, scene, but the context of the game matters, right? Yeah. So there time. was there was the lockout in the off season. Um, you mentioned they only had fourteen practices during training camp uh, before week one. This was yeah. obviously the first week of the season, so things are going to be a little bit weird to begin with. Um, but yeah, it was it was wild. Like the game was at Candlestick Park. I didn't even remember this that John Lynch was on the call. Yeah, John Lynch and Dick Stockton. We got some beauties from those guys that we'll <laughs> that we'll get to later when we get to our categories. Yeah, it was uh, it was just really fun, man. It was really fun to watch and uh, and go back and and even like seeing some of the Seahawks players. Um, we'll, we'll, we're going to mention a few of them, but it was before yeah, a lot of them were established, you know, sort of stars in the league, and uh, just a really interesting game overall. Yeah, so let's you you kind of did it a little bit already, but let's set the scene for you. It's Week One, 2011, Seahawks at 49ers. The Seahawks, of course, coming off that year where they made the playoffs at seven and nine when they won the NFC West with a losing record. Uh, the 49ers, they hadn't had a winning record in eight years. Um, they were entering, they were exiting the Mike Singletary era. They hired Jim Harbaugh in the offseason. It's his first game, but like you mentioned, they're coming off a lockout. So they had 14 preseason practices, although Alex Smith got the playbook. There's a story of him, you know, getting the playbook and having Camp Alex down there at San Jose State. 
They got to work a little bit with the playbook and with his receivers. But, but can we can we talk about Alex Smith really quick in the context of the offseason? Yeah, we can talk about Alex Smith a lot. He's he, a uh, he was a free agent, and he re-signed to be with the 49ers on a one-year $4.9 million contract, and Jim Harbaugh gave him the playbook when there was a brief lifting of the lockout um, that allowed the players and the coaches to uh, to convene. Right. And so Alex Smith wasn't under contract when he got the playbook from Jim Harbaugh, and then later on he ended up signing and, and committing to, to be on the team. Um, and I, which is a wild development. And it was $4.9 million for your starting quarterback in the NFL. Think about that. Jimmy I, Garoppolo I, makes like 27. Yeah. And I mean, even with inflation, that's, uh, yeah, 4.9 was not very much, but you also had a couple other things from this game. You had the Jim Harbaugh, Pete Carroll rivalry coming over to the NFL after their their USC and Stanford days where Jim Harbaugh ran up the score on, on Carroll and there was a what's-your-deal thing at midfield. They go over that extensively during the broadcast. It's also the 10-year anniversary of 9-11, so there's an extended pregame. You noted Brian McKnight sang the national anthem, did a really nice rendition of the national anthem, and they had the, they had the whole flyover. It was a whole, it was a whole deal, and I, I had forgotten that this was on the 10th anniversary of 9/11. Yeah, it was um it was definitely different. It I wasn't was, I, I wasn't ready for that. It's kind of jarring right there. The yeah, I wasn't really ready for it either. And the the thing about 9/11 that I'll never forget for me is it was right when I was starting high school, like high school just started. So I went right. from a very small private school to a public high school. So I was in this whole new world. And then like a week into it, the world changed completely outside of that Jeez. with 9/11 happening. So it was like you know, there was a moment of silence and all that because, you know, um, I think it's it was treated differently then than, than we would now. Obviously, a 10-year anniversary is a big deal, but, um, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy seeing all that kind of stuff and, and at Candlestick, too. It's it's kind of also weird to think when you talk about how long ago this is. This Nearly the same amount of time had passed between 9-11 and this game as the time had passed between this game and now which is right. a little weird to think about. Right. Uh, one more one more thing here as we as we set the scene at Candlestick Park before the opening kick. A lot of empty seats. Yeah. <laughs> the 49ers were not supposed to be very good, and it showed in the stands. <laughs> yeah, they were coming off a 6-10 and 10 season in 2012. Um, that was, you know, Mike Singletary got fired before the final week of the season. Um, Jim Tom Sula replaced him in uh the the week 17 and in true Jim Tom Sula fashion there was there was a shot of him congratulating one of his defensive linemen on the sideline in the first quarter I think it was and it's it's a track jacket oh. like two-thirds unzipped like I we're love it. we're almost, I love it. almost at the belly button and no shirt underneath <laughs> and a gold chain Oh, what an icon! With with the mustache and the the slick back hair and the shot, like Jim Tom Sula, um, probably not the best head coach in uh, in Forty Niners history, but not in the terms worst. of aesthetics, he's way up there. I agree. And uh, spoiler alert: we're gonna do MVP of the game as a as a as a category later. And mm-hmm. Jim Tom Sula in the running early on. <laughs> <laughs> so the way I want to do this, instead of just kind of reading through the play by play. I want to kind of go through just drive by drive and just talk about kind of the key things that happen uh, from certain drives. 
It's worth noting though that at the top of the broadcast or at the top of the at the top of the game, the coin toss, uh, Frank Gore apparently messed up the coin toss. Jim yeah. Harbaugh wanted the ball, and Frank Gore apparently deferred, and Harbaugh lost his mind on the sideline. Jim, Jim Harbaugh's very first game, and they don't get the coin toss right. <laughs> that feels like a perfect, like just like like not not omen. But perfect, like, foreshadowing of Harbaugh's tenure. Like, I felt like he never had full control of the ship. Like, thinking back on it. There were lots of things like that. Like, there was a terrible challenge that he lost. Um, There were a lot of false start penalties. A lot of Um, third down running plays. A lot of very conservative play calling in the red zone. (laughs) It was, uh, it was, it was classic Harbaugh. It was so great. In the sense that we know it, what Harbaugh was like through four full seasons, but seeing it, the very first iteration of it in his very first game was was something else. So to give you an idea of how this game went, as we'll dive in, as we'll dive in here, the first five possessions of the game were punts. This is uh, Alex Smith against Tavares Jackson. Um, Seattle on their on their on their first series, there was an Ahmad Brooks offsides penalty. Which just kind of became the norm. I swear right. he was the most penalized guy once a week on the team. Unbelievable. Yeah, we should mention Tavares Jackson. Russell Wilson wasn't um, he wasn't drafted until the next season. Right. So yeah, Tavares and, Jackson was brought in. Uh, this was his first game with the Seahawks because Daryl Bevel, the Seahawks' new offensive coordinator, had worked with Jackson with Minnesota. So for familiarity purposes, in uh, in a lockout shortened off season. Um, that's what the Seahawks did. They, they went with Tavares Jackson as their starting quarterback, and it wasn't it it wasn't great, at least in that first no. game. No, he was. Uh, and to be fair, the Niners' defense is was really excellent. We'll get to that yeah. in a little bit. Uh, something that jumped out to me from the Niners' first possession: <laughs> they were three runs and a punt, and after the third down run on third and three, the Boo Birds came out. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that was a really good, like, snapshot of where Niner fans were with the offense and Alex Smith at that point, though. Because the 2010 season was the We Want Car season, where people were chanting, We Want Car, talking about David Carr, the Niners' backup quarterback, wanting him to be in the game instead of Alex Smith. And then the Niners re-sign Alex Smith. And I thought, I, I, I think it, w- it was so weird viewing Smith through, th- from from 2020, viewing the 2011 iteration of Alex Smith because right. he's he's accomplished so much now that it's hard to 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 think back to where he was unwanted he was he was just an unaccomplished bust of a former first overall pick who just happened to get re-signed for a year while the Niners tried to kind of steady their ship and the Boo Birds coming out on a on a three and out on the first series was, I think, very indicative of how frustrated Niner fans were. The Niners had uh, three drives in the first half with no first downs, um, and all all uh, six of their drives, but one. So I guess five of their drives after halftime had no first downs. It's brutal. It was so hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't rewatched this game yet, don't. <laughs> We're gonna tell you everything you need to know. Unless about you it. love defense, unless yeah, you love really good defensive defense. lines, mauling offensive lines, and uh, and really physical power running games. 
Yeah, we got a couple of good defensive plays coming up here in a little bit. Uh, the Niners' second possession, uh, they punted, but Andy Lee rips a 64-yard punt that bounces on the one and then bounces backward and stops on the two-yard line. If it was not a masterclass by Andy Lee. If not for what Ted Ginn did in this game, and I'm sort of surprised we haven't said ten, Ted Ginn's name before right now, but Andy Lee averaged 59.6 yards per punt. That's outrageous. He had he had 298 <laughs> yards in punts, five punts. Um, the 49ers had 209 yards of offense. That so just, hey, not just great. context of what kind of game this was. Yeah, not not great for the 49ers. Uh, Ted Ginn on Seattle's third series, they punted, and a sign of things to come. Ted Ginn returns at 31 yards, uh, nearly housed it to the 23 yard line. Uh, of the Seahawks, the Niners eventually kicked a 27-yard field goal, field goal to go up three nothing. One of the things that, that that you pointed out that is impossible to miss now in hindsight, Richard Sherman was a gunner for the the Seahawks punt team. It was his first ever NFL game. His NFL debut. Richard Sherman's NFL debut came at Candlestick a, Park in 2011. A rough one for the future Hall of Fame. <laughs> he really, really struggled in punt coverage. <laughs> One, it was not good. It was not, not a good Richard Sherman game. I, I, Richard Sherman against Ted Ginn, the wide receiver. I'm taking Sherman every time. Richard Sherman against Ted Ginn, the punt returner. Uh, advantage, Teddy Ginn. Seattle's next possession ends in a fumble when Paris Harrelson came flying off the edge, hits Tavares Jackson, ball goes in the air. Uh, Will Tukawafu with the fumble recovery <laughs> and rumbled 12 yards. Uh, down into the red zone, uh, the Niners kick another field goal. This is 24 yards. I thought the third down play, though, was very Alex Smith, where he drops back, he looks to his right, he looks back left, and then right as Michael Crabtree starts to come open in the back of the end zone, he inexplicably checks it down to Frank Gore. Yeah, well, so John Lynch, this is still weird to say, John Lynch on the call analyzing the play just said, you know, Alex Smith went to his second read, who was Frank Gore, and just hit him quickly without even letting Michael Crabtree, letting that read sort of develop in the back of the end zone. And one of the things with Crabtree is he didn't play a whole lot in this game because he had just returned from a foot injury. Um, I guess he broke his foot or had, I I forget exactly what it was, had surgery on his foot over the summer and returned to practice that week. Um, So it was Braylon Edwards and Josh Morgan getting most of the playing time at receiver with Crabtree sort of working in as a third guy, getting back into shape. And um, the thing with Braylon Edwards, I don't know if many people remember what Braylon Edwards was like during his career, but I guess the way I would put it uh, is that Braylon Edwards would not be a Kyle Shanahan type of receiver in 2020. Um, And we talk about it a lot on this podcast, obviously, with the draft and Brandon Ayuk and, you know, Debo Samuel and what the 49ers look for. It's separation skills, it's route running, it's the the ability to beat man coverage. Braylon Edwards didn't really do any of that. Like, one of his catches came on just a stop route. He just ran 10 yards, stopped, turned around, and Alex Smith delivered the ball on time, barely. Um, the other barely. One, he ran an out route in the end zone. Um, that obviously wasn't a touchdown, but it was just like, wow, this is this is completely different football than uh, than what than what we're used to watching with, with the current 49ers. And with all that, Brandon Browner still couldn't cover him. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> tough. Very, very tough scene. The Niners convert the field goal after the Harrelson uh, forced fumble. It's 6 nothing. Seattle's next possession, what stood out to me, they had a third and long, and they tried to run a screen, and Patrick Willis read it the whole way and then did Patrick Willis stuff to blow it up and nearly forced a fumble, but it was incomplete. And, yeah. dude, Patrick Willis was so good at football. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not like I forgot, but, I mean, he's all over the place in this game. Really good Patrick Willis game, really good Ray McDonald game, really good Justin Smith game, and you mentioned Paris yeah. Harrelson. He had two sacks, too. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to more of those individual performances later. The Niners' next possession actually ended in a 31-yard field goal to put them up 9-0. to nine nothing. They got there on a couple of third-down runs and, like, a false start on a or an offsides on a fourth down. Uh, but there was one play, Alex Smith, uh, rolling to his right, uh, made a really nice throw over the linebacker and over Earl Thomas, who was kind of lurking to Vernon Davis down the sideline. And Davis is alone running down the sideline. And I believe it was Cam Chancellor, uh, the safety coming over the top, kind of had an angle on him. And instead of, like, putting a shoulder down or trying to juke or do anything, Davis just, like, lays down. Out, just yeah. lays down. I, I don't have another word for it. Like, I... It's it's not an exaggeration to say he just took a seat. It was a uh, Vernon Davis for whatever reason in this game was not eager to take a hit and not, not eager to fight for extra yardage, um, which is interesting, of course, because we keep or I keep talking like comparing the Niners then to this current Niners team. George Kittle like is impossible to bring down and and fights for every inch he can get. Yeah, and like Vernon Davis goes down in a big game. Uh, before like a safety could hit him, and uh, you know whatever, and then and then there was a sequence later. I don't know if you if you're gonna touch on it. That, that yeah, the Niners' next possession. Yeah, and back to back plays. So we'll get there. So uh, Seattle's next next series after the Niners made it nine nothing. Another Patrick Willis play stood out. He blitzed on a third and long and got home and, and forced an incompletion. Again, just a really good Patrick Willis game. And on that punt, Ted Ginn nearly housed it. Again, but a shoestring tackle by the Seahawks long snapper, whose name I did not bother to write down, uh, saved a touchdown. And that's twice in the first half that Ted Ginn nearly took punts to the house. And watching it back, it's like, of course he was going to return one. Like, it just, it it felt like it was going to happen. He was extremely fast at this point. Really, really good. Prime Ted Ginn. Uh, Ohio State's Ted Ginn. Uh, so the Niners, Niners finally get fourth year in the league. Niners finally get in the end zone uh, following that punt. Uh, Alex Smith, following I mentioned Brandon Browner uh, on a on a third and goal. Uh, Smith tries to hit Braylon Edwards on an out route. Browner interferes with him, gives the Niners the ball at the one, and then Alex Smith on a play action uh, boot dives into the end zone for a touchdown. It's sixteen nothing Niners, and then uh, Seattle threw an interception. Uh, to end the first half, just on a kind of heave to the end zone. Tremaine Brock actually pulled it down. Tremaine, long-haired Tremaine Brock, yeah, which is kind of weird. With dreads. Uh, also, Earl Thomas with the long dreads at this point, too. Uh, Earl Thomas had a really nice game. He was really good, and this was way before Earl Thomas was a star in the league. This was yeah, his this second is, year, yeah. and he was just everywhere. He was down along the line of scrimmage, uh, making a bunch of plays in the backfield. I think he had three tackles for loss. Um, Cam Chancellor was also starting. Um very early AJ in his Wright. career. Yeah, Bobby Wagner wasn't on the team yet. Uh, 
It was just and the Seahawks had their old ugly uniforms. Oh, dude, they're so bad. Yeah, those are bad. Um, but yeah, the, it, it was it was just interesting. Like Richard Sherman, who would become enemy number one, was struggling on punt coverage in his first ever NFL game. Crazy. Earl Thomas wasn't a star yet. Um, at that point, people were probably still having the conversation about Taylor Mays and why Pete Carroll oh, went true. with Earl Thomas over Taylor Mays. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, Chancellor wasn't a star, and it was it was it was just really interesting because the Seahawks defense did play pretty well throughout most of yeah. the time. Yeah, and it's bizarre watching the shell of this Legion of Boom defense and just nobody talking about it. Right. Like, hey, here's this all-time great defense that they're building, and there's just no mention of it. They're like, oh, Earl Thomas, yeah, it's a decent player. He had five interceptions as a rookie. Yeah, he's really good. I don't even uh, think Richard Sherman's name made the broadcast. I don't believe it did. Um, Doug Baldwin's name did. Uh, Doug yeah, Baldwin he had a tutty. Did. Yeah, he had a he had a long touchdown. Golden Tate actually had uh, the Seahawks' first touchdown. It came on their first possession of the second half. Uh, Andy Lee, you mentioned on the Niners' first punt of the third quarter, ripped it like seventy-four yards in the air. Yeah, I think it was it was your number. It was set. It Just was from the two, and I think it went to the opposite thirty, almost. So uh, almost seventy yards. Solid, like sixty-eight yards in the air. Uh, Seattle eventually goes down and scores a touchdown. A Golden Tate eight-yard touchdown catch. A play that stood out to me on this drive was Marshawn Lynch had been pretty ineffective because Seattle's offensive line was abhorrent. It was so bad, but. He met Navarro Bowman in the backfield and just gave him a nasty stiff arm. It was Bowman's first game as a starter, I believe. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was his first game as a starter. It might have been. but it, yeah, I think it, it was because Takeo Spikes was there in 2010. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so Bowman's second year, first game as a starter, just gets wrecked by this Marshawn Lynch stiff arm uh, in the backfield. John Lynch at one point during the broadcast was talking about how hard it is to go against Marshawn Lynch and he, because he played against Marshawn Lynch. So weird to think about. Which is bananas. He General also talked about playing John against Lynch. Zach Miller. Like, I, it's, dude, it was bizarre. <laughs> and thinking so about bizarre. the context of, like, this year, Week 17, the Seahawks bringing back Marshawn Lynch, <laughs> who John yeah. Lynch played against. Wild. Uh, the Niners, again, a three and out. On their on their next punt, or on their on their next drive, Vernon Davis they took a deep shot to Davis on a second down, and it was there to be completed, uh, but the safety coming over the top, Davis they have the end zone angle where he's running toward the camera, and you see him start to put his arms out, and then it's like he looks at the safety and pulls his arms into his chest and stops running. I think it was Chancellor. I believe it was Cam Chancellor, and given what happens to Davis and Chancellor later in Davis's career, a couple years, in fact, the next year, uh, you understand why. Yeah. But just given how he played in this game, it was very like. I he imagine didn't want to get hit. I don't I'm, think there's any way you can watch the game and come to any other conclusion other than Vernon didn't want to get hit. Yeah, he was not feeling playing football this day. Um, then the next play was the screen. They run a screen to Vernon yes, Davis on third yes. down, and he just inexplicably runs out of bounds instead of fighting for more yardage. Just, like, gets to the sideline and turns sideways to go out of bounds. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was something else, man. He's a, Vernon's was, a really good player. 
Top ten. Not he didn't have the the most uh didn't didn't have the best effort in this game. Didn't have that dog in him, as they say. Sure. Uh, um, Seattle's next possession was a punt. Justin Smith did the thing though on third down where he just ran the offensive lineman back into the quarterback. Yeah, and then grabbed the quarterback with one hand and, and sacked him. Yeah, he didn't didn't quite sack him, but he did get the pressure, and it, it's just it's really fun to watch him do that. He did get one. Maybe I'm thinking of a different play. He did get one that was yes. sort of similar to that Drew Brees uh, sack he had in the playoff game where he just sort of walked the offensive lineman back and grabbed the quarterback with one hand. Yeah, the referees whistled it dead. I wanted, it was probably in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, d- I didn't write it down, but I remember what you were talking about. It yeah. did happen, trust us. Um, the Niners' next possession, they punt another three and out. You're noticing a pattern. A huge return by Leon Washington got called back. And when you look at kind of the different big plays in this kind of dreary game, that's that's one that really stands out. There was a block in the back, uh, an iffy block in the back, I think, as well, um, that uh, that brought back a huge return. Seattle eventually kicked a field goal, uh, 39-yarder to make it 16-10. to 10. They uh, Well, that was set up by Madhu Williams. Yes, yes Madhu uh, Williams, yeah. His his personal foul penalty for a hit on a receiver and replays showed this was this was still at the point um, very early in in when they, the league started prioritizing player safety and, and flagging guys. Yes, um, but this was definitely shoulder to shoulder, and uh, and it should be mentioned, Madhu Williams was starting because Deshaun Goldson opened the year with a knee injury and missed yeah. the first two games, and he was a starter and ended up being a, a Pro Bowler and an All Pro. Yeah, um, yeah. so the 15-yard flag on Medea Williams, one that John Lynch initially was like, yeah, you know, they're going to call that every time, and then they started showing it again, and he just got progressively angry at the state of football. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that was that was kind of funny to listen to. It was a really nice Alden Smith play here. This is Alden Smith's rookie year. He's not starting yet, but he got uh, his legs taken out from under him on a, on a screen, but kept his feet and then jumped up to knock the screen pass down. It reminded me a lot of the Nick Bosa interception against the Panthers. Right. Uh, where it was just one of those plays that like three guys in the league can make and kind of a glimpse into what Alden Smith is going to become over the next couple of years. Uh, Niners kick another field goal on their next series. Uh, they kicked a 20 yard field goal, but there was a roughing the kicker penalty and then there was David uh, Akers. That, yeah, uh, on, on David Akers. Um, and then there were several other penalties. The Niners eventually had a first and goal from the three uh, from the one, ran it three times and didn't get in. And then <laughs> and then kicked a field goal on fourth and less than a yard. Yeah, but dude. Well, getting praise from John Lynch was praising him for you know just be smart, take the points. Your defense is playing well. Uh, make it a make it a two score game. Make it a nine point game. And it was like, man, times have changed. Very very different. Uh, Josh Morgan, a really nice twenty six yard catch on that play or on that on that drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle responds though a Doug Baldwin fifty five yard touchdown. Uh, they had a third and short. Tavares Jackson ran it up the middle, got the first down. Next play, Doug Baldwin goes 55 yards. 
the Niners did a nice job. Uh, I believe it was Carlos Rogers who initially had the coverage, and there was like a little out route underneath Baldwin. So Rogers took the out route. Bowman came under uh, underneath where Baldwin was, and then Reggie Smith, the safety, is supposed to stay over the top on Baldwin and just ran past him. Yeah. Just completely inexplicable coverage by Smith, and Baldwin uh, went 55 yards on a short throw and made it a 19-17 game. Doug Baldwin's uh, first ever game, too. Yeah, Doug Baldwin's uh, rookie season. He was playing because Sidney Rice was hurt. They made and, a huge deal about Sidney Rice and Robert Gallery being out. Yeah, yeah. Which is, dude, that's weird. <laughs> so Doug Baldwin has a nice game, 55-yard touchdown, uh, after making the team as an undrafted rookie. And it's another thing that's, like, wild to think about now, given how much time has passed. Doug Baldwin retired. That was his first ever game in 2011. Really, really good career. Really yeah. good player. And now he's out of the league. Doug Baldwin is the on the Mount Rushmore of guys that it was like the hip thing to do to go, you know, Doug Baldwin's underrated. <laughs> you know who doesn't get talked about enough? Doug Baldwin's like, dude, we talk about Doug Baldwin all the time. He's great. Pro's pro. He's a perfect receiver for Russell Wilson and that offense. And it showed a little bit in his first game with the 55-yard touchdown. But then Ted Ginn takes the ensuing kickoff 102 yards to give the 49ers a 26-17 lead. Seattle punts on their next possession. Ted Ginn again, this time 55 yards. They happened 59 seconds of game time apart. It made it 33-17. to um, And then Seattle, uh, on their on their kind of last gasp attempt, Paris Harrelson had another strip sack uh, that was uh, recovered by Patrick Willis, and then the Niners kneeled it out. Alden and, Smith uh, tried to grab it, in. scoop and score, but uh, but he missed it. It <laughs> didn't work for for Alden there. Uh, yeah. uh, I thought I thought it was a little bit funny that, and we'll get to some broadcaster stuff later. But I thought it was funny that Seattle, with like a minute and a half left, Dick Stockton's like, and there's a big hill to climb for the Seahawks. <laughs> like, yeah, they're down 16 with a minute and a half left. It's pretty steep. Yeah. So uh, that's the ball game. Uh, interesting note on that forced fumble by Paris Harrelson in week 17 that season in Seattle. Uh, Larry Grant forced a fumble late on Tavares Jackson to effectively seal that game. So the Niners kind of started and ended their season the same way, which I thought was, I thought was interesting. Santa Rosa junior colleges, Larry Grant. He didn't go to San Francisco city college. I believe he went to Santa Rosa. I think he went to city college. Okay. Anyways, look it up. Keep talking. We sure will. It doesn't matter that much. Uh, so I want to take a quick look at the box score. Uh, the 49ers were plus three in the turnover column. They finished the season plus 28. Um, they San Francisco scored 16 in the second quarter, 17 in the fourth, and then none in the first and third. The game had 20 combined penalties for 174 penalty yards, which is pretty bad. Uh, the 49ers, one for five in the red zone, uh, something that would kind of become a theme in the Harbaugh era, and one for 12 on third downs. A uh, theme of great. the Alex Smith era. Yes, very much so. Uh, Ted Ginn, four kick returns for 176 yards and a tutty, five punt returns for 92 yards and a touchdown. 
Uh, Alex Smith had the like quintessential Alex Smith game in this one. He went, I had the numbers here. Where'd they go? Here we go. He went 15 of 20 for 124 yards, a 90.4 rating, no touchdowns, no picks. Seven Six. carries, 22 yards, and a touchdown. 6.2 yards per attempt. 6.2 YPA, man. Which uh, is Vernon Davis miserable. is the leading receiver. It's really bad. He completed Ver- 75% of his throws and still only averaged 6.2 yards per attempt. That is really hard to do. A lot of short throws, a lot of checkdowns. Um, on Larry Grant, I found the crucial information here. Please. Born in Santa Rosa. Ah, Santa Rosa um, native. Santa Rosa native Larry Grant mm-hmm. uh, attended S- City College of San Francisco before transferring to a notable the school in the Midwest. Ohio State. Yeah. Um, Vernon Davis, five catches, 47 yards. Josh Morgan, a couple catches for 28. Braylon Edwards, three for 27. Uh, Michael Crabtree, one catch for four yards. Delaney Walker, a catch for minus one yard. Uh, Frank Gore all over the place, 22 carries, 59 yards. Something about Frank Gore's game. There was not any carry for Gore that was just like, oh, that looked like a normal carry. Like, <laughs> yeah, they were all bloodbaths. He either got tackled like it hurt or broke a bunch of tackles or it was just – it was a war every time he touched the ball. Yeah. Uh, it was it was pretty incredible. Uh, last thing before we get to the break, I want to talk about the game breaks. <laughs> so good, There were man. three notable ones, Kurt Menefee. On the game break, the first one we got was early in the game. Percy Harvin opened the Vikings-Chargers game with a 103-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. And that was notable because this was the first year that they moved the kickoff up uh, five All yards. Right. All right. In hopes of cutting down on returns. And on the opening weekend, they have two kickoff returns for touchdowns, uh, including that one by Percy Harvin to open Vikings-Chargers. Donovan McNabb, that was his Vikings debut. I had forgotten Donovan McNabb played for the Vikings. I wrote down the same thing. I was like, Donovan McNabb was on the Vikings? I com- like, I remember it, but I don't. <laughs> uh, he also played for Washington. Um, his his first pass with the Vikings got intercepted. It was like just supposed to be like probably an easy rhythm completion uh, on a quick throw outside, and the defender got his hand on it and intercepted it. Uh, and then... The third one, remember Cam Newton had that huge first day? He threw for all those yards. and he had, had a huge rookie season. Yeah, monster rookie year, but his, his first game in Arizona, they lost 28-21, but he had two passing touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown, and his rushing touchdown was one of those ones where he just took like a shotgun snap and ran straight ahead and jumped over the line. His celebration, remember, the league eased their rules on celebrations. I had kind of forgotten that. Yeah. But he gets out of the pile, he drops to one knee, and holds the football in his left hand like a guitar, and then does the, like, big arm circle guitar strums. Yeah. And, and, then, did, and then did his Superman thing, and got a flag for an excessive celebration. Can we talk about the numbers from Cam Newton's rookie season for just yeah, one yeah, second? Yeah, yeah, drop them on me, and then we've got to go to break. Um, 4,051 passing yards. <laughs> 21 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Um, he had, as I scroll all the way down to rushing yards on, on pro football reference, 706 rushing yards, 14 rushing touchdowns. Good God. <laughs> Cam Newton, man. As a rookie in 2011, that's wild. I, I feel like because Cam kind of went 
very rapidly kind of hit a hit a wall after his MVP season. I feel like we forget how good Cam Newton is. So anytime, Chris, you want to appreciate Cam Newton on this podcast, I'm down. That was the most his, his rookie year was the most passing yards he ever had in the in the league. Yeah, he was he was so freaking good uh, that year and really fun to watch at his peak. Uh, okay, so game breaks are over. Let's hit a quick break and then uh, get to our categories. Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. And currently, with no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. It's all open 24 hours a day, and it's all online. Get to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. All right, so we're going to run down some categories here. We'll blow through these uh, real quick. Um, we're going to do a Twitter summary of the game. So a summary of the game in 280 characters or less. I feel like I nailed mine. Okay. Uh, most random 49ers slash opponent sighting. Okay. Got a good one here. The turning point of the game, the, I forgot that happened, uh, segment, mm-hmm. uh, any broadcast highlights. We've talked about a couple of them, but we're, we'll get a little more specific. Um, plays of the game, winners and losers an MVP, and then just some other odds and ends. Uh, to tie up. So the Twitter summary, Chris, that I wrote uh, was this was an ugly game with two struggling offenses coming off a lockout. The 49ers defense showed how good it is, though, and Ted Ginn bailed out a sloppy conservative performance by the 49ers offense. I feel like I nailed that. Yeah, I I don't think I can improve on that. Um, Thank you. I would mention in mine that it was Jim Harbaugh's coaching debut. Oh, yeah, it's probably a good one. That's a pretty important note. <laughs> and I had um, the characters to put it. So. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think you, I think you nailed it. Mine would not be any different. And this is me covering up the fact very poorly that I didn't write a Twitter summary. <laughs> hey, that's okay. I don't think we need to, yeah. uh, especially when mine are perfect. <laughs> uh, so the most random Niner slash opponent sighting, uh, Paris Harrelson starting over Alden Smith. Like I know that made sense at the time, but it's a little bit funny in hindsight. That was most of the season. I think yeah. Alden uh, Smith all, was just the entire season, season as a he nickel didn't pass start at all. Uh, yeah. And still had a huge year. A lot of base defense in this game. A lot lot of base defense. (laughs) Uh, A majority of the defense is base defense. Braylon Edwards started at receiver for the Niners. John Lynch was excited to see the impact he has. Uh, John Lynch's obsession with Braylon Edwards does not bode well for Brandon Ayuk. (laughs) (laughs) I think it goes to show how much influence Kyle Shanahan has on the, uh, the personnel the 49ers acquire on the offensive side in particular. I don't want to say too much, but a lot of Moran Norris in this game. 
a lot of Moran North. <laughs> and the the best thing about it was like Jim Harbaugh would line Moran Norris up at receiver. He would just like split him out wide. <laughs> split out Moran Norris out wide. And it's how many dudes with a neck roll are splitting out <laughs> into the slot? Like if I mean, he's he's. I can't think of any less of a receiving threat than Moran Norris out wide. I'm, I'm just trying. I'm trying to like. I I would equate putting Moran Norris out wide to like putting Alex Boone out wide. Like, I just don't know what the purpose is aside from like, all right, we're getting a linebacker out of the box now because he has to go cover Moran Norris for some reason. Who's not going to get the ball? <laughs> like at least. And I hate to keep comparing the, that team to, to this team, but, like, the whole point of Kyle Juszczyk is versatility. Like, he actually can run routes and catch passes and be a mismatch is mismatch issue for receivers. <laughs> um, but Moran Norris was not. He was a power-blocking fullback. Oh, my God. <laughs> and hey. and there, were, there had to be four or five times at least that he was split out wide as a receiver. <laughs> and the Niners had two fullbacks on the active roster. Bruce yeah, Miller Bruce was Miller. active. <laughs> Covering punts. Hey, Moran Norris. Hey, Moran Norris. 86th percentile in uh, the 40 yard dash. You're in a 4.63. For which fullbacks? Is, yeah. Wow. Which is respectable. Like, that's really good. Uh, 99th percentile in bench reps. 37. Oh, my God. He reps 225 <laughs> 37 times. That's Moran better. Norris needed to get the ball more. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than like ninety five percent of offensive linemen. He's ripping off thirty seven bench reps at six one two fifty. In fact, here we go. Among all players, that is ninety eighth percentile. That's incredible. In fact, he profiles athletically uh, with Aaron Donald. Sure. So, li- missed, so line him missed, up wide. missed opportunity to have an all-time great defensive tackle because they were lining him up at fullback. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Um, I think the most random 49er in this one was Medea Williams. I forgot entirely he played for the Niners. Yeah. I remember I, Medea Williams. I don't. I have. I followed the 49ers. I'm 20 at this time. I followed the 40. Sorry, 21. I followed the 49ers very closely at this point in my life. Yeah. And I forgot about Medea Williams entirely. Yeah. Same. And he started multiple games. And Reggie Williams. Chris Culliver was a rookie. Um yeah, Reggie but, Smith? Yeah, Reggie Smith. That's what that's what I meant. Uh the kickoff the kickoff team, not random guys that I forgot about, but that kickoff team with Tavares Gooden and Blake Costanzo and Booby Dixon. Oh, yeah. uh, a lot of fun. CJ Spillman was really good. Um the Seahawks linebacker Aaron Curry. I remember having a. I believe he was. I believe he was a 2008 draft pick, maybe 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a 2009 first round pick of the Seahawks. Went really high, right? Wasn't he a top ten pick? Yeah, he was fourth overall. Oof. So in that Played draft, four, four that was seasons. the Ma- that was the Matthew Stafford draft. And I was doing a college radio show then. And um, when I did my show before this draft, my take was that the Lions should draft Aaron Curry number one overall. Wow. Because, let me find, um, 
Let me find their stats here. They had somebody at quarterback that I was like, oh, you have this guy. Drew Stanton. I was like, they have Drew Stanton, who is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, start Drew Stanton at quarterback, draft Aaron Curry, and build your defense around him. Sure. That was a take I had uh, that I would have liked. That I like to. Um, Aaron Curry would be would be traded to the Oakland Raiders, uh, four weeks after this game. Yeah, not a good player. It turns out drafting a number one overall would have been catastrophic. And I think the Seahawks did a good job at upgrading the position um, by by replacing him with Bobby Wagner. Mm, Good point. That's my take. That's a really good point. Aaron Curry, just 34 years old, could still play in the league. Potentially. Um, turning point of this game, I, it was an easy one for me. It was Ted Ginn's 102-yard kickoff return. Yeah. I, I, I don't think there's really an argument there. Um, the I forgot that happened segment. Uh, I forgot this was David Aker's first game with the Niners. And yeah. that he was in Philly for 12 years. Yep. But I don't. I just forgot that he had been around for, for that long. Um. I didn't forget how good Patrick Willis was, but watching prime Patrick Willis in a setting where I didn't know what was going to happen was like rewatching prime Patrick Willis for the first time, and it was a lot of fun. He was good. It was just, it was, it was, you agree? Patrick yeah. Willis is sitting behind me agreeing with me. Patrick Willis. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was just the, the dude who's like always in the right spot. And he closes yeah. really fast, really good tackler. Um, he just doesn't do anything wrong ever. Marshawn Lynch had 13 carries for 33 yards. His longest yard, his longest run was 12, 12 yards. Yeah. Uh, any highlights during the broadcast? A lot. Uh, John Lynch was on color. Can we talk about the Jack Harbaugh interview? Uh, yeah. Can I get my yeah. first thing out of the way? Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. I'm really it's excited fine. about this. <laughs> I, I know. I, I am as well because I didn't. I was kind of doing some other stuff during that interview and not listening super close. Okay. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. But in true Dick Stockton fashion, first play of the game, Marshawn Lynch just runs up the middle like no game. He ended up getting credit for one yard. They're sitting with a very clear second and long, and Dick Stockton just out of nowhere as they're lining up goes, so that's again a six, so it'll bring up second and four. <laughs> just, like I, It's one of those things like I – I obviously have never broadcasted NFL games, but I broadcasted a ton of college football when I was at Sacramento State. And I get that sometimes you look at something wrong or you get a play wrong. and it ha- But he just, like, it was quiet. He didn't need to say anything, and he just blurts out the wrong down and distance by a lot. Yeah. And it's really funny to watch, and I posted a screen cap of it on, on Twitter at Kyle A. Madsen. Uh, I, I posted a screen cap with, with the exact quote. It's It's very funny. But early second quarter, we got a Jack Harbaugh interview. So good. Um, so Jack Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh's father, it's it's obviously Jim Harbaugh's first game. So the for the first time in league history, there are two brothers coaching. John Harbaugh is a coach of the Ravens. I don't know if you knew that. Um, what? Get out of town. Are they related? Yeah. And so uh, the sideline reporter up in the suite asked the question, who are you going to root for uh, when the Niners and, and the Ravens play in um, – on Thanksgiving, because on that that Thanksgiving the Niners were traveling to Baltimore for for a game, which is insane. Going going cross country for a Thursday night game is just completely bonkers. But anyway, um, and somehow they they're talking, and then it just comes up. 
Jack Harbaugh just stops, just starts ripping off stats from his grandson's game, like somewhere in Indiana, <laughs> and he's in seventh grade, and he's just like shouting him out and not even answering the question. And it it came to me, it was like this makes perfect sense. This is why Jim Harbaugh is is Dude. who he is, because that's what. So I covered Jim Harbaugh for two seasons. And one thing that he did that drove us reporters completely insane would be completely ignoring the question you would ask in a press conference and going off on this, like, wild tangent. And I didn't remember this interview from the broadcast, but the fact that Jack Harbaugh did that, shouting out his grandson in Indiana for completing however many passes as a quarterback as a, as a seventh grader on this broadcast for no reason other than to just do it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's definitely Jim Harbaugh's dad. It was oh, it was hilarious. That's awesome. Um, at one point, Dick Stockton says, uh, Lynch is lined up as a receiver wide to the right. He was in the backfield and got a handoff. Um, and then Seattle was down 33-17 to 17 with less than two minutes left. And I mentioned this earlier. Dick Stockton said, a big hill to climb for the Seahawks. Yep. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big one. It's steep. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then something you you pointed out that I thought was interesting. Uh, why don't you dive in? Which uh, which part? Um, the John Lynch imploring Jim oh, Harbaugh. To... Yeah. So John Lynch, like throughout the first half and later in the game, kept saying like Jim Harbaugh has to trust his quarterback. Like Alex Smith. I mean, they at that point on third downs, there was a lot of runs, a lot of screens, a lot of check down passes. It was very clear that Jim Harbaugh was not interested in putting Alex Smith in position to turn the ball over. And of course, right. Alex Smith, you know, the, the Niners were the, the best team in the league as far as not turning the ball over that season. So it does make sense because they really wanted to play that ball control style. But John Lynch just said over and over, Jim Harbaugh has got to trust Alex Smith to do something. He's got to trust Alex Smith to do something. And Harbaugh never did really. Even on yeah. third, third and goal, <laughs> you know, there was one sequence <laughs> before that field goal. So they get uh, the last field goal they hit. Um, they got the roughing the kicker. I think they were inside the five-yard line, so it was half the distance or whatever. They get a new set of downs, and they run it three straight times. And they, on third down, they bring out Braylon Edwards and Josh Morgan, and they're in shotgun, and it looks like it's going to be a pass. You're like, finally, third and goal, pass, try to get in the end zone, put this thing away. <laughs> And then they run an inside draw to Frank Gore, and he's down at, like, the half-yard line. And then, then, instead of just going for it, punching it in from half a yard out with a sneak or whatever, they kick the field goal there. Um, but Brutal. Just, you, you could just tell John Lynch throughout the whole thing is just like, what is happening? And he even mentioned it later in the game, I think, in the fourth quarter. He's like, well, the Niners are hoping they have a, they have a Bill Walsh-type head coach here in Jim Harbaugh. But this looked a lot more like Bo, Schemble- Bo Schembechler, who Jim Harbaugh <laughs> played for at Michigan. And it was just like, yeah, that's that's kind of that that's exactly how things sort of ended up with the 49ers and Jim Harbaugh's tenure. Was that it was like it was it was a reliance on smash mouth physical power football to the point where it, it you you didn't really develop a a counterpunch when when teams took that away from you. Um, which sort of defined Harbaugh's tenure. So, yeah, it was uh, it was just a trip. The whole thing was a trip. Seeing Jim, so Jim Harbaugh's first game called by John Lynch, like seeing John Lynch on the broadcast was a huge surprise because I completely forgot about about it and just that whole dynamic. Knowing what we know now, that 
<laughs> John Lynch is a 49ers GM um, is just is, is super funny to me. Very weird. Uh, you mentioned Jim Harbaugh not trusting Alex Smith, and I talked about earlier kind of the fan reactions to the first three plays being runs and then the punt and they booed. Uh, on the Niners' second possession, I think it was on second down, Alex Smith motions Frank Gore out of the backfield, and they went empty. And the crowd cheered the fact that they were going to an empty set. And I, not gonna I run remember it. that. that stuck out very, very too. good. <laughs> um, we were going to find uh, a best quote from a post-game story, but a cursory search of the internet didn't turn anything up except uh, <laughs> a very strongly worded column about Alex Smith's jaw. Um so that was uh, that was interesting. If you want to do the internet research on that, go for it. But we're not going to dive into it. Uh, <laughs> um, play of the game, Chris. Was it the Ted Ginn 102 yard kickoff return for a touchdown, or Ginn's 55 yard punt return that kind of put the game away? Uh, I think it was the punt return because it was it just sort of capped it. Like, you didn't yeah. have a whole lot of confidence in the 49ers' offense to put the game away at that point, um, getting the ball back. I know that, you know, there, the, the Niners, the punt happened with 2.46 left. Um, the Seahawks could have presumably forced another punt and then uh, maybe made a game of it. But just to play the game, like the fact that Ginn returned that 55 yards for, for the touchdown to me, just sealing it. Yeah. Um, makes the game look a lot more lopsided than it was. But that was a play of the game because um, without that, I mean, the Niners were up by nine. So I guess it was still technically a two-score game with 245 left. But um, And their defense was really good. But you know what? Can I change my answer? I do think it's it's a kickoff, actually. Now yeah, I was going to – In my head, it was an eight-point game. It was a one-score game. And then – Sure. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a two-score game with – after the the kickoff return, so I'm going to go with that. And Earl Thomas, special yeah. teams, running with Ginn the entire way. Wild, dude. After First having a pick. huge game on defense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's definitely the 102-yard kickoff because Seattle, the Niners had kicked that field goal to make it 19-10, but then Seattle comes right down. They score a touchdown, and like you said, the Niners' offense is pretty stagnant all day. Yep. And if they punt there or they don't score a touchdown – Seattle is uh, a field goal away from winning. So I, I think it, it has to be the 102-yard kickoff return. Uh, pretty easy. All right, so let's get to some winners and losers here. Um, for obvious reasons, I don't want to crown this guy, but Ray McDonald is, is definitely a winner of Week 1 2011. Uh, he had a fantastic game. Uh, he was just kind of in the backfield the entire time, as was most of the 49ers defensive line, but McDonald just made a couple of plays that really stood out to me. Uh a guy who did not win, Braylon Edwards. Tough game for Braylon. Yeah, Braylon Edwards, his Niners debut. Um, three catches, 27 yards. Uh, brought in to be, I guess, the number one receiver. Um, but at that point in his career, he just didn't have any wiggle left. And I don't know how much Jim Harbaugh's Michigan bias, or if he even had a Michigan bias, <clears throat> played into this. Or the 49ers were just sold that, like, hey, we just need a big-bodied guy to to sort of just run down there and turn around. <laughs> um, but, yeah, not not a great game for Edwards. But Ray, hey. Ray McDonald, I, I do want to mention, uh, a sack, three quarterback hits, uh, three tackles for loss. And he made his presence felt, I think it was on the first third down of the game when he hit Jackson 
um, yeah. for an incompletion. So the, the 49ers defense set the tone early. Yeah, they they definitely did. Braylon Edwards, hey, how old do you think Braylon Edwards was in this game? Uh, 42. 28. He had 15 catches all year for a buck 81, no touchdowns. Tough, tough year for Braylon. Uh, the Niners what? struggled drafting receivers around that time. Um, I mean, Crabtree was good, but I don't know if you heard. A year later, they struggled with with the draft. They did. Uh, that was the AJ Jenkins draft. A yeah. uh, big winner, Andy Lee. Yeah. Andy Lee had a remarkable game. You mentioned the uh, you mentioned you mentioned the the numbers earlier, um, but you kind of forget how good Andy Lee was. And I know that sounds silly because he's a punter. But after watching Bradley Pinion be not good for a while, uh, watching Andy Lee be an incredible punter was a sight. Andy Lee, I believe, is still in the league, right? I think so. Um, Last I checked, in Arizona, Cleveland? Yeah, 11 years with the Niners, still with Arizona. Yeah, he was there last year. Um, Yeah, 2011 was his best season. He averaged 50.9 yards per punt, and like I mentioned in this game, he averaged 59.6 yards with a long of 64. I think the Niners ran their offense to get the ball into the hands of their best player, Andy Lee. Yeah, Uh, I would agree. Richard Sherman will be happy to hear that he is a big loser from our first episode of the old rush. <laughs> I'm going to uh, tell Sherman about this. Hopefully this he doesn't no. stop talking to me. <laughs> the next time uh, you're allowed to be in a locker room or around players or interviewing players, I, I need this game to come up. It will. Um, it will. I might, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to let so, him know. I'm going to ask him what he remembers about his NFL debut. Oh, and then God, maybe please. direct him to this podcast. Yes, excellent. Although he's such a lunatic that he might actually listen because someone said, like, hey, they were talking shit. Um, or not. I think Sherman would objectively <laughs> say he didn't play well. Um, yeah, and hey, and boo on Seattle for not starting a future Hall of Famer. What are yeah. we doing? Like, yeah. that's the ultimate – that's the takeaway here. Right. Um, making fun of Richard Sherman a little bit. <laughs> yeah, 18.4 yards per punt return for Ted Ginn, including that 55-yarder. Um, he almost had that one in the first half that he broke. He obviously broke that one at the end of the game. Um, and Sherman was a gunner and struggled to kind of stay on his feet. Didn't do a whole lot there. But as we know about Richard Sherman, he's better at defense than special teams. He sure is. Uh, another winner from this one uh, on the Seahawks side, Earl Thomas. Very, very good player. Very good player. Uh, really clear watching this game that Earl Thomas was going to be a Hall of Famer. Like He's just – he's everywhere doing everything. Uh, obvious uh, a winner. Uh, <clears throat> try that again. Another winner, uh, David Akers, I thought was was really good. He drilled all four of his field goals, sure. um, and got got a ton of work. Uh, loser, Jeff Triplett. I'm out on Jeff Triplett. I'm so happy he's no longer in my life. It was so upsetting seeing his face and him doing ref stuff, and they called 20 freaking penalties. And every time he came out to announce it, that little, like, ball of anger that I have inside of me from watching Jeff Triplett referee or officiate NFL games would flare back up. Isn't he uh, – doesn't he do TV now? Isn't he one of those I think he live did. broadcast guys? I think he did and now no longer does. He might still – I don't know. Okay. I've blocked him out of my life. I was really mad to see he was back. Wow, I hope uh, he doesn't listen to this. Uh, he's a huge, avid fan. We talk all the time. Uh, <laughs> the Seahawks' offensive line was really bad. They're a big loser from this one. How is the Seahawks' offensive line still an issue? 
What are they doing up there? That's a great question. Um, they've converted some basketball players. They've. I'm, I. I don't know. I. I it's just like. Don't know. It's like the. Hmm, let me think about this. It's like the 49ers are known for the West Coast offense. The Steelers are known for their defense, and the Seahawks are known for their shitty offensive lines. It's unbelievable that this is still happening. Debatable. Get it together up there in Seattle. I would put the Seahawks, I mean, they're more known for their defense, I would think, and maybe now Russell Wilson. Uh, subject yeah, of, but that's of not many trade joke. rumors, by the way. We could talk yes. about that at another point. Yeah, that's we're dedicating a whole podcast to the Russell Wilson trade rumors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if it was Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, we'd be doing it. So, yeah. uh, Big winner, though, Ted Ginn. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that's an easy one. MVP. And is T- Ted Ginn's the MVP? MVP, Ted Or was Ginn. it Andy Lee? <laughs> <laughs> he gets an honorable mention, Andy Lee does. It's Ted Ginn. There was a point in the game where they were like, we're so desperate for offense, we're going to try to just like run a bubble screen to Ted Ginn and see what happens. Yeah. Because he's like the only guy who's, who's dynamic at all right now. I, uh, You know that he's the MVP of this game because any time you bring this game up, it's not – Oh, Jim Harbaugh's first game, or oh, Alex Smith's return, or uh, anything like that. It's oh yeah, the Ted Ginn game. Yeah, that's it. so. It's the Ted Ginn game. A um, couple of odds and ends. Um, I, I mentioned this a little earlier, but Alex Smith. It's so weird to watch him now, knowing what we know about his career. It's so weird hearing him talked about like, yeah, you know, he's on his seventh offensive coordinator, and they brought him back and. You know, they're going to say they think he has the tools to produce in this offense. And after seeing what he did through a year and a half of, under Jim Harbaugh and then had the success he had under under uh, Andy Reid, it's it's so weird hearing Alex Smith talked about as this like, yeah, you know, maybe you can get a few good games out of him kind of guy. Yeah, I thought that was very odd. Um, and then uh, also uh, we didn't mention, but uh, Tavares Jackson passed away. In a, in a car accident a few weeks ago. Yeah, last uh, month. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't uh, mention that and uh, send our, our our thoughts and, and prayers to him and, and his family. Um, that, that felt like something that, that should happen as we were talking about him mm-hmm. kind of throughout this game. So I uh, wanted to mention that uh, as well. Yeah. Um, Back to you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'll, I'll transition awkwardly to just saying, like, please. Um, this was fun, and uh, and I'm looking forward to, to diving into other games. Are we gonna do? Um, yeah. What's our next game? Let's discuss that now on the pod, and then get out of here. All right. Let's let's. We haven't decided this, so we're actually gonna have no, this discussion this. right now. Should we do the Philadelphia road game? Okay. Um, so 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 let's let's run through the sketty here. Uh, the their next game was that home loss to Dallas overtime. The overtime loss to Dallas. Tony My Romo. boss at that time was a Cowboys fan, and he was obnoxious. Um, we're, week three, we're not was, doing the week three Bengals game. Okay. What if I say please? No, I'm not going to spend two and a half hours rewatching a 13 to eight game. Can uh, we do the condensed game? I might just do the condensed game for context to get to uh, the week four game that I really want to do. We, I mean, five hundred and fifty-four yards of total offense, two fumbles lost, four total turnovers. Yeah. Not great. Oh my god, this game was so bad. Um, I don't want to watch it again. That was the one where Andy Lee ran out of the back of the end zone. 
yeah. at the end of the game to round out the class. Oh, yeah. Brutal. Um, um, let's no, do, we, let's the, do the Eagles the week game. Four game for sure. Yeah, that was the that was the turning point. That was the point where I was like, the, "Oh, the Niners might actually be good." Yeah, and and even then, um, yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll discuss this more next week. Because but they won that game, but there were a couple of like weird things that happened in that game that it felt a little bit like a fluke. But then. Beating Tampa Bay forty-eight to three the following week was was the real right. Oh, and wow. then the Detroit game, the handshake game. Yeah, we might do all three of those. Do it. You want to do the Tampa Bay game? A little. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we don't we don't we don't have to do the Tampa Bay game. That was the one where Josh Morgan broke his leg. Yeah, I think the uh, the Eagles and Lions game are are what we should do, and then Eagles. The Lions was the game winner to Delaney Walker. Spoiler alert. Right, and the handshake with uh, with Jim Schwartz, and it was at that yeah. point the Niners got to nine and five and one before their bye week, and then it was like, oh, they're they're actually good. Um, we can watch them go eight and one against the Giants. That was the one where Justin Smith batted down the Eli Manning pass. Mm-hmm. I attended the end of the game. game. We can do that one. Um, do the Monday night win over Pittsburgh, twenty to three. The lights went out. Yeah, and all, also Alden I, Smith I, had five sacks. Uh, yeah, what, yeah, that happened. Was it five? I'm looking. I, I can't remember. Um, it was. I, I said earlier that that Seahawks game was week seventeen. It was actually week sixteen. You might watch that one. Crab save Christmas. Um, and then we'll do the Saints game. Oh, the Saints game. Yeah, the playoff game. Yeah, sure. Remember that one? Yeah. So we'll be <laughs> we'll be recording that. We'll we'll sort of do we'll stick to our normal schedule during the week. So we record Mondays or Tuesday nights. Um, sort of talk about news, and we'll do some stuff on the current 49ers team. And then uh, with our second pod of each week, we'll do one of these old rush, uh, old game recaps where we'll we'll do what we did tonight and, and go through a whole game. And um, we'll be hopefully we'll be a little bit more clean in terms of uh, the categories and the way we run through things. And, and I'll, I'll write down a recap instead of just <laughs> telling Kyle's his was good. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, I was very excited to do this one because it was really fun to kind of relive this game. So I think I'll be a little more relaxed next time. Yeah, and it was completely a completely different era with just completely different circumstances, and it was it was fun to sort of sit back and, and remember what it was like um, at those times. So we'll we'll look forward to, to doing the Eagles game next week, and uh, yeah, absolutely, we'll treat it like Justin Smith did in the fourth quarter with a lot of hustle. Great point. That's a really strong. Uh, really strong reference so uh that's going to do it for the old rush make sure to subscribe rate review this is candlestick chronicles on the blue wire network i really appreciate you guys listening and we will see you next time